Welcome to The Real Look. I'm Bruce Hardy, and I'm so excited to introduce this episode's Northern Lights guest, Stacey Hartzler, with Keller Williams Portland Premier in Portland, Oregon. A native Oregonian and fierce individual agent, Stacey prides herself on offering superior personal service before, during, and after every transaction. Knowledge, commitment, honesty, expertise, and professionalism are the cornerstones of her business, not to mention her passion for Portland's unique neighborhoods. After being in the real estate industry for seven years now, Stacy's learned that setting expectations, having clear communication, being relatable, and putting the client relationship first and the paycheck last are the keys to her success. Please enjoy this conversation with Stacy Hartzler. Well, g'day, Stacey. Welcome to The Real Look. Where does today's podcast find you? I'm in Portland, Oregon. Actually sitting in a car in Portland, Oregon, right? Yep. <laughs> Typical realtor, right? Typical realtor. In the car always. <laughs> what we know is everybody has a story, right? A life and a journey prior to real estate. So give us a little bit of your background. What were you doing before you got into real estate? So I worked in like the restaurant bar business since I graduated high school. And then I kind of got pretty sick of it, honestly. And I went into the dental field, kind of dabbled in nursing a little bit. I was trying to get my prereqs done for nursing school and life is all about timing and it wasn't good timing. And so I went back to bartending and really just was so frustrated. I went to a handful of people that I knew that were Mm self-employed, but I just said, you know, what do you like about it? What am I missing? What should I know? And it really was never about real estate, but I had bought a house in 2003 and I sat down with that realtor who I'd known for a long time. And I just said, what do you like about it? And he said, you will be an incredible realtor. I will make sure that you are successful. And I said, you're crazy. That is never going to happen. I am not a salesperson. No, no way. And he's like, no, I, I promise you. He's like, get your license and come work with me and, and I will help you. And I was just laughing. I was like, I'll give you one year of my life. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm going to be more poor than I am now. Right. And that'll be that, you know, but we'll try. Sure. We'll try. A couple months later, I got my license and that first year I sold seven houses. Did you go to work on a team at that point? It wasn't really a team. He was kind of coaching me. I wasn't really helping him with his own clients, except for maybe a showing here and there, but not not like a buyer agent or showing agent position at all. It really was just me going out, talking to my sphere. I work 100% by referral. I have worked with Buffini system since day one, and it has just really worked. I grew up in Portland. I know a lot of people. My sphere is very large. And, you know, with being in the bar business, and that that was the thing, too. I kept my bar job for a while, mm-hmm. and I just sort of told people, hey, I'm an agent. If you guys need anything, please let me know. I just built my business that way. Wow. So I love this, and I'd like to dig a little deeper. How did you go about choosing that you wanted to be a by-referral agent? There's so many ways of getting business in real estate, and the by-referral way was a little less aggressive for me. I tried like doing open houses and I was never a cold call person. I just, I don't think I could take the rejection. (laughs) So I just thought, you know, we're going to try it this way. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. It just happened to work for me pretty effortlessly. I just really come from a place of service and I'm friends with a lot of people. I have a lot of really deep personal relationships. Real estate is a no like and trust business. And I think that if people know you and they like you and they trust you, they're going to want to work with you. Absolutely. 
I know in my own experience, I'm like you, I come from a restaurant background, but what I've seen is people who are in the service industry tend to do really well in real estate because what we do is more of actually a service rather than sales. I mean, if you're not interested in buying a house, I'm not going to be able to talk you into doing that, right? Right. Yep, exactly. And, you know, it's just a different product, right? Yep. Like you're still the exact same process. It's just a different product. Right. So let me ask you a question. How do you stay top of mind with your sphere of influence? I don't overload my clients with IOVs or anything like that, like items of value. I send out a quarterly newsletter. It is less about real estate and more about like community events, kind of like a what's happening in your area sort of thing. But really, like I just make my phone calls every week and I'm just checking on people. Real estate will naturally come up, but I'm not calling to say, hey, interest rates have hiked. Hey, we're at two months of inventory now. I I don't bring that up. It's just, how are you doing? How are you liking your house? Probably my two best referring clients have never bought or sold with me. They just are my sounding board for everybody. And it's just me checking in, having a good relationship with them, spending time asking how they're doing. What can I do for you? Do you need any help with anything? It's really just a place of service. So how do you manage that? I mean, from a time perspective, do you have a list that you generate each day to make those calls? I mean, how many people are you planning on calling each week to call through your database? So my CRM tells me who to call. I just have to make sure I log my activities, which admittingly I am not great about, but I have an incredible assistant that helps me. That's an important piece too to this business is having someone that helps support you because you can't do it all. You're going to get to a point where you're busy and the things that you could do when you're in that first year or two, the time you have, it goes away at about year five if you're building your business the right way. So just having her help me kind of manage that is good. Sometimes I might be on social media and see like, oh, Megan had her baby. I should call her, you know, and just checking in. It's using that as a tool as well. It's just a touch point. I probably make anywhere from three to five calls a day. I have about mm, 250 in my database. Okay. At what point did you make the decision to get leverage in your world to hire someone as an assistant? Oh, as soon as everyone started giving me such a hard time, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little bit of a control freak in that like I can just do it myself. I can do it myself. And just a quick backstory: I was with a brokerage for a long time, and we didn't quite make it through COVID, and they closed the brokerage, and I was scrambling to find a place to move my license, mm-hmm. and I ended up coming to Keller Williams. When I moved my license, I was sitting down with the people in the office and they're like, how did you do 38 transactions with no assistant? I'm like, well, I have a lot of time to myself, you know, like, but I was just working all the time. And I think everyone was just like pressuring me, but like in a good way. Mm -hmm. And so it took me a little while to find someone that I really trusted. But this girl is like me, but she's almost more detailed than I am. Like she's just better and more efficient. Why did you choose to get an administrative assistant versus hiring a buyer's agent, for example? Well, for me, my clients hire me. Right. The reason they want to work with me is because they want to work with me. I like showing houses, honestly. And I also want to know what I'm representing. If I write an offer and I'm under contract, I want to know what I'm selling, right? I want to be able to see it. While I understand a lot of agents will leverage their time with a showing assistant. It just doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for my clients. 
I take a lot of buyers, but I'm pretty picky at this point about like who I can work with because I want to make sure everyone has the same level of service, right? No one's getting something less from me than another. My assistant's licensed. I will use her if she is available and I am not available, but that's a one-off. I am really doing most of the work. And do you have your assistant communicating with your clients as well during the transaction? No. Nope, not at all. Really? It's always me. Yep. I have pretty hard work hour boundaries, (laughs) but I tell my clients day one, here's my work hours. If you want to reach out outside of those hours, that's totally fine with me, Mm -hmm. but just know I'll get back to you first thing in the morning and nobody cares. Yeah. At what point in your career did you get clarity around that setting boundaries? I'm going to say it was probably a couple years ago. And a lot of that has to do with my personal life. I'm single. I don't have any kids. At the time I was in a relationship and it was just becoming kind of almost a burden and a problem in my relationship because I was just constantly on. And I'm like, you know what? There's nothing I can do for somebody at nine o'clock at night, except for maybe make them feel better, like from a more emotional standpoint. Right. Right. But there's, you know, escrow's not open. The lender's not available more than likely. Like this can wait until the morning. And so I just slowly started dialing back my hours. So each time I'd get a new client, I would tell them here, this is the hours that I work. And I've just found that if I tell them up front day one, they don't care. And everybody has been very supportive and just said, you know what? You deserve to have a life too. Right. I'm so glad you said that, right? I mean, obviously, setting expectations in the relationship with your clients at the beginning of that relationship is key Mm -hmm. going forward. And yet, so many realtors really struggle with that, where the industry owns their life. Right. And I think a lot of agents are scared to say anything, right? Like, they're scared to say, I'm so sorry, I need to have dinner with my partner or my friend or my kids need to, I need to go to their baseball game or whatever it is with or without a partner and kids, you still have a life, right? Still you. And that time to yourself is it's okay. But I think a lot of agents get scared that people won't want to work with them if they set those boundaries, but it's just, it's not the case. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you use social media, right? To find ways to interact with your clients. How purposeful are you at that? I mean, it doesn't sound like you just get on and doom scroll, but you're actually being purposeful about looking for the people that you're in relationship with. Is that accurate or not? I don't spend a whole bunch of time on social media. I have an Instagram page for my business. I almost never post on it. I think you can have a really successful business without having social media, although nothing wrong with having a big social media presence either. I'm not a kind of a name and lights person. I probably get in my head more than I need to about what I post on social media. So it's few and far between. Okay. Like if I'm looking for reasons to call somebody or talk to somebody, I might scroll for, you know, 15 minutes and see what I find. It's not always even intentional. It's just, oh, okay, I see this thing that happened. This is a good touch point. Now a brief word from our sponsors. Stick around. Welcome to KW Operations Community, an innovative platform designed to empower administrative staff and teams of all sizes. We believe in unlocking the immense potential of our unsung heroes, your secret weapon, the administrative support. Too often their careers have been capped, but not anymore. At KW Operations Community, we provide the tools to boost their professional growth through live trainings, coaching, and masterminds. Our extensive resources library is packed with templates, playbooks, 
and efficient systems for immediate implementation. This is not about pushing papers, it's about stepping into their strength zone. So let's break the mold together and help our support roles rise to their highest level. Join us at KW Operations Community today by visiting communities.kw.com. Stacey, what are you doing right now that's working really well for you in the current market that we're in? Obtaining clients, I mean, again, it's all just staying top of mind to the people that know, like, and trust you. So it's just making sure you're staying in contact. I'm really big on celebrating moments for a buyer or even a seller, right? So like I had a seller that they sold their house six months ago. I got a notification. It's been six months since they've sold. The reason that sale was so important to them was because they took that money and they started their own business on this like farm to like really live off the land. Right. And that was their goal all along with this house. Mm-hmm. You know, I call them, Hey, how are you guys doing? How's it going? Even just celebrating the small stuff. I've had clients call me and say, Hey, do you remember when you sold my house? You know, it's been three years. Well, of course I remember. And this is what happened. And they're like, how do you remember that? I'm like, well, I take good notes first of all, <laughs> but also like, I think every transaction is special. My sense of this is that you have a fairly high ceiling of achievement around delivering service like this. I mean, this is naturally who you are and how you show up. But have you had to put in place systems that allow you to be consistent, you know, as your business has grown so that you continue to deliver that same level of service? I mean, again, I weigh heavily on my CRM just to tell me like, hey, it's time to call these people. It's time to write notes to these people. I definitely will stray from that because sometimes there are things that need my attention more than, you know, maybe a phone call. Maybe I need to deliver flowers to somebody that's, you know, having a knee replacement. Maybe I need to do X, Y, Z for this person who's having a hard time, right? Versus making three phone calls. So I will stray from it a little bit, but I weigh pretty heavily on my CRM. And I have a coach that (laughs) gives me a lot of accountability. He's checking in pretty frequently and I don't like to disappoint. (laughs) Well, I love that. Now, you mentioned you were with another company that unfortunately did not make it through COVID. Mm -hmm. So when you made the decision, you had to go find a new place to hang your shingle. Why did you choose KW? So I'm licensed in Oregon and in Washington. Mm -hmm. So one of the really big things for me was I could leave my licenses at one place. I'd have one broker, one office. Two is a lot. Right. (laughs) To be truthful, it's very expensive. So I had sat down with about five brokerages, some small, some big. I had gone to another KW office and I did not like it. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it from the jump. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. And I almost canceled my meeting with my current office. And my friend is an agent there. And she said, please don't. Not all KWs are created equal. And so I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I sat down with the owner the CEO and the broker. We had a really lovely conversation. It was quite different from my first experience. But the biggest thing, and I can't stress this enough, is I don't always need my broker. But when I do, I need to know that they are there for me. And this person, he's incredible. Mm -hmm. He is so supportive. And he was really the reason that I moved my license there because I was like, that's a guy I want on my team. The other part is that KW lets me be me. So yes, I'm part of KW, but I can also be Stacy. Right. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, as a company, one of our foundational beliefs is that real estate's a local service business done by local agents with their sphere of influence and their marketing image. The brand Mm -hmm. is you, not KW, right? We're sort of like the Intel sticker on a laptop, right? It might be a HP laptop, but it's powered by Intel. At what point did you decide that you wanted to serve both sides of the river? So when I was at my previous brokerage, the guy that kind of got me into real estate had at one point decided to build a team out and he wanted it to be big. And I was helping him sort of with his clients, but I was also had my own. This team of people, it was a lot of brand new agents and he was just effectively coaching them up to serve their own clients. Not It wasn't really ever about him. Mm-hmm. There was 13, I think, in total, and nobody was licensed in Washington. And I was living in Northeast Portland, so I could easily get across the river. And I just thought, you know what? We're giving out referrals to agents we don't really know or have a relationship with. We have no idea really what kind of service we're giving our client. How about I just get licensed and then we can keep it in-house? And everybody said, that's a great idea. Let's do it. I mean, in the end, it was actually one of the better moves that I made because at one point, I mean, I would bet 50% of my transactions were in Washington. Okay. What have been some of the lessons you've learned being licensed in two states where the contracts are totally different? I think the contracts part is huge. The laws are huge. So in Washington, you are really held to the standard care of an attorney Mm -hmm. and you are not so much in Oregon. So any little mess up is like a huge deal. (laughs) You know, in Oregon, you have an 11-page contract. In Washington, it could be six pages. It could be 30. It just depends on what you're doing. So really knowing the forms is important. Title and escrow is a little bit different there. To keep your license up to date, like for your renewals, in Oregon, the CE classes are free. In Washington, you have to pay for them. I think it's kind of costly to keep your license in Washington compared to Oregon. Mm -hmm. You have extra tax in Washington versus Oregon. So there's just some differences there. But I mean, I think honestly, the biggest thing is the forms. Right. So being a solo agent, I mean, you are the agent, you're the broker that works with the clients, you've got an administrative assistant. How do you manage your time, particularly in a market like Portland, Vancouver, where the geography is fairly big, the traffic's sort of a little crazy from time to time. So how do you manage your time to be most effective? Right now, I have probably four buyers in Oregon and I have three in Washington. So I try to just bundle them together. If I know I'm going to be in Washington, I will contact my other clients and say, hey, okay, here's our options. How about this day and this time? Does this work? And I just try to at least bundle them so that I'm not going back and forth. Mm -hmm. I have one client that loves to see one house at a time. It makes me crazy if I'm being honest. (laughs) And so I've gotten him to the point like, how about we see two or three so that we can compare and contrast and see what you like versus just eliminating one by one? Because otherwise, it's three hours out of my day. That's a long time. Right. I think right now, too, the buyers are in Portland Metro, Southwest Washington included, you know, we have like 1.9 months of inventory, like it's pretty low. And so there's just not a whole bunch. I think COVID has changed this a little bit too, where before, you know, people really worked like hard lines nine to five, so they could only see houses in the evening or on the weekends. And that's not really the case anymore. I think people have a lot more flexibility. So, you know, going on a Tuesday morning versus a Thursday at five, you know, that's a big difference in my time as well. Right. You know, as you think about your business and think about the future, what are you most excited about? 
I think just the longevity of the career, right? So during COVID, like there was business aplenty and there was a lot of agents doing a lot of business. And now I think I know a ton of agents that have done zero transactions this year. And I think just kind of being consistent and stay in the course, keep doing what I am doing and doing it well, mm-hmm. I think is really important right now. And I, I just want to continue. I'm not the person that ever wants to do a hundred deals in a year. Like that's just not me. I recognize how much time that takes and I like my personal life too, you know? So doing that like 30 to 40 transactions a year is great for me. And I just want to keep that consistent. And that just comes back down to just basics, just knowing and loving and caring on your people. Yeah. Knowing what you know today, Stacey, if you were to go back and talk to your younger self thinking about getting into real estate, what advice would you give? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. I think just setting the expectation that you actually have to work in this business if you want to be successful. I think some people make it look really easy and social media makes it look really easy. It's not always easy. And it's a lot of managing emotions and not even from the clients. It could be from a co-op. It could be from a lender, title and escrow, from everyone. It's just having those good relationships from the start. And I think that really sets the tone in a transaction. That's a big piece for me. I wasn't expecting that to be so prominent, but consistency, like I know a lot of agents that are like, they don't come into the office till noon. Well, treat it like a, I hate to say normal, but kind of like your more conventional job, right? right? You need to be somewhere, treat it like that. Because if you start treating it like this kind of lackadaisical thing, you're going to be out of business real quick. Well, I love that. I think that is sage advice. I just want to say to our listeners, if any of you have any referrals for the Portland Metro and Southwest Washington areas, look no further than Stacey Hartzler. We'll have Stacey's contact information in the show notes. And Stacey, I just want to say thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time and sharing some wisdom with our people. Thank you. Oh, I sure appreciate it. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Support for today's podcast provided by Keller Covered. Keller Covered is your one-stop shop for all your insurance needs. Keller Covered gives you direct access to one of the nation's largest networks of insurance providers. Shop for home, auto, umbrella, renters, cyber, and home warranty quotes from the country's leading carriers in a matter of minutes. Call 512-855-7158 or Visit us at kellercovered.com for more information. Well, that was fun talking with Stacy. And I say this to Chase quite often as we do these interviews. It's wonderful to get different perspectives. And I love the fact that, you know, Stacy has built this career around her own personal goals and hasn't felt pressure to go grow a team. She's willing to do the business at a level that makes her the income she wants to make as a solo agent. I think there's a lot of lessons there. I love the fact that she talked about that she sets expectations with her clients, right, around her time and her own personal life. I hope everyone listening to this really heard that because, you know, this industry can throw you around like a rag doll if you let it. What we do is not rocket science or brain surgery. When people call you at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, there's really nothing you can do to help them at that point. So take a lesson from Stacey, set boundaries and set expectations with your clients. 
Another thing that I took away from this conversation with her was she has a database of around 250 people. Now, obviously, born and raised in Portland and being a homegrown Oregonian, she knows more people than that. But what she's realized is is that she can do the business that she wants out of that small number of people. And I want to encourage everybody, if you don't already have a database, get a database. And by the way, you need to build it to over 200 as quickly as you can. Because what we know, the research that Keller Williams has done, if you have more than 200 people in your database, you're going to make substantially more money in this industry than those who don't have 200 people in their database. It reminded me of that when she mentioned it, because, you know, here's somebody who's doing 30, 40 transactions a year out of a database of only 250. I mentioned it earlier in the interview with Stacy, and that is, is that people in the service industry make great realtors because what we do in this industry is service. And I, I see people out of restaurants and hospitality, out of nursing and teachers, by the way, also make incredible realtors because a lot of what we do is teaching our clients about the process. But this is a service industry. Tending bar or waiting tables, by the way, you're already used to working for tips. It's just that the tips here are a little bit bigger in real estate. One other nugget I took from my conversation with Stacy is this concept around her database. And if you didn't hear it, you know, it's her database that actually dictates who she needs to call or who she needs to reach out to. And the real value in the database is taking good notes and putting those notes of her client interactions into the database. As she said, you know, people say, oh, do you remember you sold me that house three years ago? Yes, of course I did. Now, the internal voice says, because I've got it written down in my database, right? Whereas the client perception is, wow, you really care and you're thinking about me. A lot of great nuggets in that interview. Thank you again, Stacy. That was outstanding. Next week's Northern Lights guest is Alyssa Gamble with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. We'll see you next week on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.